You're listening to Incorporating Superpowers with the Voice of Reason, risk mitigation expert, and former counterintelligence agent, Justin Reckla. Get ready to rip apart the veil as we dismantle old school business and prepare for what comes next. Business will never be the same. Everybody, Justin Reckla here, the host of Incorporating Superpowers. And today I'm super excited because we have the founder of Shield Corporate Finance Solutions, Corporate Finance Limited on the show with us. A little joke for the for the superhero fans out there, my Marvel folks who watch <laughs> Shield, Agents of Shield. Gotcha. That's my little super my, my play on superpowers today. Um, but David, I'm really I'm really super excited about this because David and I kind of we meet in this this really unique space of you know uh, what we do in in the in the clear business directory corporate counterintelligence risk mitigation world and where David is in the mergers and acquisition world. And I'm super excited to have David on the show because we we met in San Diego. He's actually over in the UK right now. It's where he lives, works full time. Uh, and his whole business is about helping helping business owners really create something to where they can they can sell their business by building value. And this is something that a lot of people we were talking about this right before the show that uh, a lot of people miss this. They think they just build up the processes and the systems and they get everything in place, and then they go to sell it. And because of the way the systems for selling the business work. There's got to be certain pieces in place, otherwise you're going to you're going to have a hard time selling your business. So, David, thank you so much for uh, for coming on the show today. Um, let's let's talk about this. In, and I know that there are people out there listening that have their own business, are maybe just at the point of looking at an exit strategy, or they're in the midst of an exit strategy, or they're getting close to being uh, next to an ex- uh, looking for an exit strategy. What is the bread and butter? What is the thing, the one thing that they need to know in order for them to be able to do that? (laughs) Justin, great to be here with you. Thank you. Uh, Well, I think there are a number of things. Um, These days, you know, post crash, and it's been like this for the last 10 years, (laughs) it's a tough, it's a tough world for sellers because, um, Buyers know they tend to have the upper hand, and uh, a lot of would-be sellers take saleability for granted. But actually, if you've got a smallish, uh, me-too kind of business, it's not obvious that somebody's going to want to buy it. Uh, and um, then the value, if it, you've got to saleability, the value is not going to be optimal unless you have done quite a bit of work to build the value and reduce what I call the value depressants. Uh, and the notable value depressant is key person dependence. You've got to put yourself in the shoes of the buyer. And my big role really is to help sellers achieve the mindset shift, which is required to do that. Some people manage to do it by themselves, but it's a, it's a rare seller who can do it. It's basically obvious, but if you think about it, a buyer wants a return on their investment, and they're going to worry that you, as the uh, owner-manager, the entrepreneur, are key to the business in one way or another. You, know, you may be key to the technology. You may be probably key to the clients, maybe key to holding the staff together. So their big worry is what happens when you're out of the business? 
uh, either because you are literally gone or because you've had a life-changing event in terms of earning a lot of money. And even if you stay, you may not be so motivated. So we need to work to overcome anxieties buyers will have about key person dependence, which is one of the main risks. Yeah, I, um, y- y- this, is a, this is a topic that I, I absolutely love um, because we, we see this a lot in the personal development industry. We see this a lot in the coaching and mentoring industry. We see this a lot in, uh, in some big name brands even to where those, those personal brandings don't create a business structure or business model that, that's sellable. You know, um, you know, Tony Robbins has got an enterprise, but what happens when Tony Robbins is no longer in the business? Yeah, that's a great example. Now, you know, I mean, I think he has systematized his coaching business on the business side, you know, there's clearly. On the business side, exactly. But on the personal side. Yeah, exactly. Most people don't make that shift. They build up that personal brand and then they don't systemize anything over here that, that is got any type of system to it. Most people will build the business off of that personal brand, but if they remove themselves from the business, it's got no value. It's got nothing to it. And this, this is something that I've, I love the fact that you talk about this because this is something that if folks, if you're looking at selling your business, what David's, what they would say in here, you have to pay attention to because otherwise you're going to miss the mark. So David, what does that look like? What what do business owners need to be looking at then in order to build up that value if they're wanting to sell? Yeah, well, and I would even start upstream of wanting to sell. I think it's never too early to uh, start on all this, actually. Uh, yeah. And a lot, of, a lot of people, you know, I, I, I've known entrepreneurs over the year who've said, I don't uh, envisage selling, I like what I'm doing and so on. And then 10 years later, uh, Actually, entrepreneurs particularly tend to have other ideas and maybe want to do other things. If they're successful, the business grows and it becomes, it requires structure and bureaucratic layers that they don't feel comfortable with. And often entrepreneurs get the itch to go off and do something else. Or, God forbid, you know, ill health strikes or disaster strikes or they need to get out for one reason or another. So I would say to any entrepreneur, whether you're thinking of selling or not, it's always a good idea to have a, an exit plan that you're working on because actually what you want to be doing is building value and extricating from your, yourself from the business in either case. And it works together. You know, it's, it's good if you overcome key person dependence. It's good if you think about making yourself redundant. Even if you don't want to sell the business, you're freeing yourself up. You're having more time for family or other interests. And, that, and that's all good. So if you can demonstrate that your business will run without you, that's great from a sale point of view, and it's great from a value point of view. And actually, uh, quoting uh, Gerber in the uh, e-myth, you know, it frees you up to work on the business rather than you being stuck in the business. So it's, yes. it's very good to think about trying to become uh, dispensable, uh, which is hard because, you know, we entrepreneurs, we like to be indispensable. We get a kick out of it and we like to think that the whole thing depends on us. But really, we need to try, <laughs> try and put it in a box, try and bottle your, your expertise, bottle your brilliance and, and, and equip a team to carry on. Um, yeah, so the key to value growth really is, um, well, let's distinguish standalone value from combination value. I'll come back to that. But the key to standalone value is growth, really growth of cash flow potential. 
it's it's obvious and i think it's well understood in america actually in europe it's much less well understood that hmm. how critical growth is but the you get a double whammy from growth of course because not only you know when you come to value business you're going to apply a multiple of profits okay right so not only if you grow does what you're applying the multiple to grow but actually the multiple itself increases when you're on a growth track and in any industry you can plot the graph that shows there's a correlation between the PE, the price earnings multiple, for example, and the expected profit growth of a business. So you get a double whammy. If you can get your business on a higher growth track in three years' time, you will have a multiple or a compound beneficial effect because you'll have not only higher profits, but a higher multiple applying to those profits. Nice. This is, folks, this right here is, if you just take that bit of information right there, and apply that to your business and start looking at how you can multiply not only yourself, your built, your, your, your dependency the, or the business's dependency on you and start scaling that to where it's going to grow. You're going to automatically add that value that that's needed for to, to position yourself from a, from a sales perspective. David, we're going to take a quick break and you're going to dive down the rabbit hole uh, a little bit further after this, because I know there's so much more on the backside before we go on a break, where can people go find information about you? Uh, my website is www.sellingabusinessformore.co.uk, where for is F-O-R, formore.co.uk. Uh, or you could email me at dy, for David Young, at shield, S-H-I-E-L-D, dot U-K dot com. See, I told you folks. Founder of Shield, right there. He's got the email to prove it. Uh, we've been talking to David Young about <laughs> selling your business by building value. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Hello, everyone. This is Tonya Don Reckla, Executive Director of Superpower Experts. And we want to thank each of you for making Superpower Up the number one podcast network for personal development and spiritual growth. Because people like you have the courage to say that mindfulness, healthy living, disrupting reality, the pursuit of consciousness, responsible entrepreneurship, and radical parenting matter. We now amass over 1 million downloads monthly in more than 90 countries. Our numbers keep growing because there are far more people willing to live divergently than mass media wants to acknowledge. For you, the change makers, the light bearers, the way showers, we say thank you. If you're ready to take the next step in your evolution, go now to superpowerexperts.com and take the superpower quiz. And as Neva Lee Rekla, our youngest podcaster, likes to remind us, remember, we all have superpowers and we can change the world. Welcome back to Incorporating Superpowers. I'm your host, Justin Reckler, and today we've been talking with David Young of Shield Corporate Financial, or otherwise known as Shield. Uh, David and I connected at an event in San Diego, uh, being in the corporate counterintelligence world, risk mitigation world, mergers and acquisitions has always been something that's been close to my heart. Uh, we love serving people that are in that that zone and, and helping them make sure that the deals go right. But today we're talking about uh, selling your business by by building value. One of the first things that we identified in the first part of the show was making sure you've got scalability, make sure that the business is able to grow because we we're talking about personal brands and how realistically as a personal brand, you can only take on so much work. You can only take on so much growth unless you've duplicated yourself some way, shape or form and and then be able to, you know, to where it's no longer dependent on you because you got the right systems and processes in place. So David, 
what else what across the board what do yeah. you see that 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 help that business owners should be doing to better position themselves to take advantage of, of selling their business that is a great question because the most exciting thing in what i do is finding situations where you can introduce buyers uh to whom what you're selling makes a tremendous strategic difference. Uh, we were talking earlier about standalone value, but the exciting thing is, you know, there's combination value. And combination value, I think of in two buckets. You've got synergy value, which everybody understands. It's cost sharing potential, and it's maybe revenue generation potential that arises when you put two businesses together. And that's usually a percentage of the standalone value. But you've also got another kind of combination value, which I call strategic value, which is where your business does something dramatic uh, to the buyer. And then you can have a leap in price, which is out of all proportion to standalone value. So, for example, in the first deal I did as Shield, I had someone come to me. It was a husband and wife couple. They built a nice consulting company in pharmaceutical pricing. The, uh, their clients were big pharma. They had a really good niche brand. Uh, they had had an offer of 10 million bucks, and they wanted help uh, on the negotiation of the contract to get it to 12, maybe 15. And they hired me just to do that because they thought they were too small to, to interest a banker, and I just started Shield. And the first thing I said to them was, tell me about the process. Was it competitive? Because everything I've learned is that competition works wonders. They said, no, this is the first guy who came over the horizon offering what we wanted, which was about 10 million. That'll do us for retirement. I said, you know, really? My advice would be, let's make it competitive. We did, and we sold it to a company for 32 million, that company was a big American corporation that had an, it wasn't mainly in consulting. It had a nondescript consulting business and it wanted a good little brand to brand its nondescript consulting business. It was in data provision. It was called IMS and uh, it was a billion, multi-billion dollar US company. And for them, you know, they were willing to pay an extra 10 or 20 million bucks just to brand, rebrand basically their own consulting business. So this little thing was a little jewel. It was probably not worth a whole lot more than 10 million, but we sold it for 32 million plus an earn out of 24 because it had significant value in the hands of somebody else and because we had a competitive process that pushed the thing to the top of the win-win range. And this I, is, I, I, I yeah. love this. That, that, that right there, David, that, tells, that screams, folks, if you missed the message there, it's don't take the first buyer don't take the first offer there's value in shopping it around absolutely you want to introduce buyers for whom the thing has some strategic value and uh sale if it's properly conducted is a voyage of discovery and Ooh. you know what i learned at goldman sachs who mastered the auction process and i apply it to small businesses now is you're looking for the outlier and you're trying to push buyers to their indifference point and that's got to do with what the thing is worth to them, which may be a multiple of the standalone value that we're all focused on as we run our businesses. You know, we tend to operate within the box of some kind of multiple of our standalone profits. But my job is to help you move way outside that box. And uh, we use the competitive process to stake out where the top end of the range is. This, this um, folks, competition collaboration is going to take you far in building your business coming to sell your business um working with somebody like like david 
and recognizing that there's power in competition, there's leverage in competition, especially as a seller, um, is important to understand. I know that it can get really exciting for 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 you when you're at that point and you're like you're getting ready to sell and you you've done the evaluation and you see that number like a couple ten million. Excuse <coughs> me, have they sold? Right then and there, they would have missed out on twenty-two million dollar difference, and that's huge, David. That is um, that that's some massive results. What what are some of the other like hidden things that that people should be looking for um, when they're wanting to go sell their business? What are the things that they often overlook or miss? Well, again, I mean, I'd start way up up up, up stream of that and say, you know, what can you do to move your company into the sites, into the crosshairs of the big strategic buyers? You know, it may be worth positioning your company in some different area. A lot of entrepreneurs are just focused on, you know, maximizing their profits and their profit growth, which is not bad, but it might be that if you took a sort of strategic uh, turns in one direction or another, or maybe you got rid of a bit of the business that is going to put off some strategic buyers, you could have a big value uplift. So the sooner you start thinking about who the strategic buyers could be and, and positioning your business, you know, you want to basically park your tank on the lawns of some big deep-pocketed buyers for whom you're a strategic nuisance. And, and, and that can, can take time to do. Um, but I would and, you, say- and, you, and that's, and that's, why, that's, why we, that's why we bring people like you in to help with, do that process because I know as an entrepreneur, I don't know those things. Most business owners don't know those things, but you've been doing it for how long? Uh, well, yeah, uh, about 30 years. Folks. <laughs> <laughs> I think actually not many people have focused on selling businesses for as long as I have, because in most banks, they're, fo- they're organized by industry rather than by, you know, but I got invited by JP Morgan to run the sell side practice back in, uh, you know, before I started Shield in 2001 for five years. So I've been focusing on selling businesses and it's, it's actually uh, unusual to focus on selling businesses. I mean, running Shield has been a, a difficult journey because if you think about it, you don't get repeat business when you're selling businesses. <laughs> no, this is, no, you don't. And that's, that's, that's the thing is, is I don't think most entrepreneurs stop to think about selling multiple businesses because they're in the business that they, that they, that they have, and they might move on to something else if they do sell one, but we're not typically in the mindset of selling our business, we're in the mindset of selling what it is the business does to feed it, uh, knowing that you exist out there, uh, and that's this is what you specialize in, folks. If you want to sell a business, if you're looking to um, have an exit strategy, even if it's 15, 20 years from now, have a conversation with David because this this information that he's providing here, the insights that he has from the years that he's been in the industry are invaluable to position yourself for, for sale. Um, David, this is, um, I think you and I can talk about this kind of stuff for, for, for eons, but I want to go, I want to go at a little bit slight tweak here. Um, you know, selling your business is one thing. What does that look like in the, uh, in a, in a merger opportunity? What, what kind of leverage, what kind of value should, what should people be focusing on if they're looking at a merger with another company rather than just an outright sale? Well, of course, in a merger, you get two groups of shareholders pooling the businesses and uh, you will not get paid a premium. So from a selling perspective, you know, the, the, the return is longer term. It's going to come from the 
pickup in value that arises from putting the two businesses together. Uh, but my experience of mergers has always been that it's actually, if it's a genuine merger, and, and actually quite a lot of mergers really aren't, you know, there's one dominant partner. The, the, the difficulty with a, genu- with a genuine merger where there's a real coming together of the two management teams is often uh, nobody's really clearly in charge and it's hard to extract the synergy benefits of the combination. So you can get strategic drift. Uh, a merger doesn't really represent a clean exit if somebody wants out because they're going to end up owning shares in the merged entity. Of course, they might, you know, if it, it could be interesting if you want to go on and lead the merged entity, if you're going to have the upper hand as the chief executive, perhaps, of the merged entity. Um, yeah. No. You know, I don't see mergers so much, you know, in, in the s- smaller SMB sector, I must say. Gotcha. Well, that makes sense. It, it's, um, you know, depending on where you're at in your business, folks, you know, you need to be start having these conversations with yourself of, are you wanting to sell it outright? Or are you wanting to look to combine forces with somebody else in the same industry and, and merge with them? What does that look like for yeah. you? Um, and, and like, I agree with you, David, this is a lot of things that shouldn't be, you know, it shouldn't be like an afterthought. It shouldn't be done midstream. This is one of those conversations that should, as you're starting and you continue to evolve the business, these are the things that you should be talking about. If you ever plan on wanting to, you know, get out of the business at some point in time and go retire and, and do your, do your thing in the world. Um, David, this, yes. this, this, this I mean, information just, is good. I was just going to say, if you're looking f- uh, for a merger as an exit strategy, obviously you want to be merging with a public entity so that you've got liquidity in the stock. So we're yeah. tending to, you know, we're talking about bigger companies than, uh, th- th- than the small, you know, companies that are too small to be public. Yeah, this is, um, Folks, if you're even thinking of selling or thought of selling or know that you need to be thinking about selling your business, reach out to David, give him a give him a shout out and, and connect with him and see how he can help you position your business for, for selling. David, where can our listeners go find more information about you? Well, I think the website is probably the best starting point, www.sellingabusinessformore.co.uk. Um, and I've... I've through that, you can find things that I've got to help. You know, I've got a course on uh, business sales success secrets, and I've tried to distill by looking at half a dozen cases of spectacular success that I've been, you know, blessed to ha- have achieved, uh, for the, and also some spectacular failures that I've witnessed, um, but not, luckily not been so closely involved in. Uh, tried to distill 10 lessons. There, there is actually one thing, one little thing I'd like to share with you listeners because it's so yes. easy to get right and it's so easy to miss. <laughs> um, you need to get shareholder agreement on the minimal, uh, minimum acceptable terms if, if, if you have other shareholders in the business, unless you're the sa- sole shareholder. It's painful uh, to see what happens if and this can happen in families and can tear families apart if they go into a sale process. And then, uh, you know, usually if there's a family in a business, you may have some family members in management owning perhaps a majority and other minority holders may be in a more passive role. That happens quite often in Europe. I've seen it. What you can find is the bids come in and uh, half the family want to sell uh, and the other half or the 
maybe the minority shareholders, hold them to ransom and say, no, the price isn't good enough. And then if you can get an increase in price, the, maybe the minority shareholders want to have all of that. And so the shareholders can fall out and you can lose a sale that you had teed up just because you hadn't got the shareholders to agree ahead of time, legally, yeah. a legally binding document, that they would all exit at a certain trigger price. I mean, a good yeah, advi a, an advisor worth his salt won't start a sale process without having that in place. Not having that consent. That's, that's super important, folks, right there. It's, if you've got shareholders, you've got other people that are going to benefit from it financially, make sure you're on the same page. <laughs> make, sure, make sure you've got that conversation taken care of ahead of time. Uh, you're right, David. I've seen that. I've seen that happen as well with some of our clients. Everything was going dandy, and then somebody just said, "Nope, we need more," and it killed the entire thing. Um, it, you don't want to find yourself in that position, folks. Another thing I'd say is, you know, respect the needs of the counterparty. The buyer is not your enemy. He may not be a friend, but he's not your enemy, you know. So he is. He, you got to remember, he wants to make sure he's going to get a good return on his or her investment, uh, risk weighted. So he's. They're going to be doing due diligence, and if you're running a competitive process, as I would strongly urge you to, you're going to have to facilitate due diligence by several parties simultaneously, and that requires preparing for. I've seen quite a lot of particularly small entrepreneurs selling get really frazzled by a due diligence process that they're not well prepared for, uh, and they can't cope with the onslaught of all the questions from everyone, and uh, they get impatient and irritated and kind of shut down, and that just raises the hackles and raises the anxiety level of buyers who have a legitimate need to satisfy themselves about their concerns. So uh, you've got to plan for due diligence again. It comes down to you know preparing for the work and doing what's necessary to honor the needs of the counterparty. And yeah, I like you, that. It, it, there's yeah. more than just you. There's more than just you involved. There's 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 the, the complexities of a deal, especially of uh, somebody selling a business, is not your typical list something on eBay type of type of process there's there's more complexities to that i i agree you have to be able to honor the other side as well to to meet them in the middle that's that's so important yeah so i well, think david you know, where go ahead go ahead please i was, I was going to say you know i think the most exciting business journey on earth is sale <laughs> but it can be it can be but it, it can be disappointing because these days post crash again you know for the last 10 years we've had terribly low interest rates chronically low they've stayed low i don't really think they can go up because i don't think governments could afford for them to go up so uh, so we're stuck with a situation where a lot of uh, entrepreneurs, when they come to sale and they look at the best price on the table, and these days also, you know, it's quite often to see the structure isn't great. You're going to get half up front and half over maybe three years through an earnout. Uh, you look at putting that money in the bank at one or two or three percent because a, a, a retiring entrepreneur usually wants to have a safe fixed interest, fixed income type of investment. You know, what they find is the interest on the invested proceeds don't come close to the money that they're making after tax from the business. And we've got to do this math beforehand and figure out, you know, whether you really actually do want a sale or whether you're going to get a sale at a value which enables you to retire or whether actually you're not better off 
getting the business in shape, putting in management sufficient to run it without you so that you can retire and take a dividend. And that's why I've repositioned myself from the divestiture doctor to the exit expert. So my, my, I see my goal as helping entrepreneurs you know, get great exits, whether by sale or succession. I like, I mean, this is good stuff. Yeah. This is good stuff. David, one more time, where can our, where can our listeners go find you? Uh, the website's best thing, I think, www.sellingabusinessformore, that's F-O-R-M-O-R-E, dot co, dot UK. Or drop, drop me an email, dy at shield.uk.com. This is good stuff, folks. If you're looking to exit and you don't know what that looks like, whether it be succession or sale, reach out. Give David a call. He's been doing this for a long time, and he's helping people position themselves to to sell to where they can move on to the next thing and get the best price for their business. Yeah, David, thanks. thank you so, Th- thank thank you so you, much Justin. for being here today. I, I would just yes. say I, I do this everywhere. You know, I was trained by Goldman in New York. I'm in the States a lot. I, I, I come and do it wherever uh, it needs to be done. Uh, got to be based somewhere. And uh, you can tell by the accent I'm based in the UK at the moment. But uh, hey, I'd love that to change. And I've got a client in, client in San Francisco, actually, coming up. So I'll be yes. over stateside pretty soon. There you go, folks. You heard it. He travels. He'll come find you. Reach <laughs> out. Connect with Dave. Connect with David when you're looking to, if you're even thinking about selling, reach out. David, thank you so much for being on the show today, folks. Until next time, go out there, incorporate your superpowers, and change the world. Take care. Thank you. Are you ready to discover your superpowers? Go now to superpowerexperts.com and take the superpower quiz today.